Hello everyone and welcome to In This Economy, the podcast where young people from Zimbabwe and around the world discuss how they are navigating life in the current economic circumstances. With me, your host, Kim Nyajeka. Can I tell you, I've never been so excited to get behind this microphone. It has been two long weeks since I've been able to do anything related to this podcast and I think capitalist mercury is on retrograde because work has just been crazy and my work-life balance has been askew. All my time, all my energy has just been going towards like work and stuff and I've had, as you know, I like pre-record like episodes way in advance and then I record and edit and do all the post-production stuff closer to the release date just to add like some commentary if there's something going on in the world at the time or something relevant to the topic of the episode that's happening in real time just to add that little commentary you know at the beginning or the end to keep things fresh real relatable the overall brand of the podcast right Um, But because I haven't actually had time on my hands to do any editing or recording, I've really fallen behind on my production and release schedule. So this week, to make up for the lack of episodes and also the late episode prior, like two weeks ago, an episode was late. And then this last week, there was no episode. We're having a mini episode in the middle of the season at a random point. And then we'll go back to regular programming, you know, on Thursday. If you're a regular listener, you know the drill. So every Thursday episode will be out and I'm just trying to, I've just tried to move things around to actually make more time to creating content, to recording the podcast because it brings me such joy. Even just sitting here right now talking into this microphone um, by myself is just, I'm so excited. So um, yeah, Um, For this mini slash solo episode, we're doing things a little bit differently. So usually I just give an update on what's going on with the platform, what's influencing the platform, but this one's just going to be me chatting, hey, about um, (laughs) things that have been going on in the world that uh, have just been like impacting me because it's not just work. Like I feel a lot of heavy and emotional burdens going on right now, not in like a bad way, but they're just I mean, of course, it's in a bad way. What am I saying? But they're just impacting me. It's like some current events that have been going on and some of the stuff that's been going on in like my personal life, too. So I'm going to share that a little bit and then talk a little bit more about the theme of this solo episode, which is work-life balance in this economy. So let's get into it. So firstly, um, what's been going on in my personal life? Being a young Zimbabwean, we talk about this a lot, Um, you know, you have a lot of long distance relationships with friends, family and romantically. But this particular week, I was quite affected because um, one of my best friends in the whole wide world um, got married uh, last week and I couldn't be there. The wedding was in Canada and... Uh, I was just so sad. I was happy. First and foremost, I'm so happy. Congratulations, Rumbo and Eddie Kim. You guys looked amazing and the wedding was lovely. And yo, guys, they did this live stream. It was very cinematic. I thought the live stream was going to be, you know, someone you know, with the phone streaming it or whatever, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. But this was a cinematic experience um, with the angles and My friend looked beautiful, her husband looked great, but she looked beautiful, which is what's important. And I was so happy, you know, sitting with our other best friend watching the wedding, but I was so sad because I wasn't there. You know, it's like a sadness that a lot of people, I think in in developing countries where people, where your friends and family are constantly leaving, right? 
Um, it's a sadness. You feel like it's no one's fault. Like, I'm not mad at my friend. I'm not mad at myself for not being able to save, you know, $3,000 to get a ticket and a visa to Canada. I'm, I'm not angry. It's I'm angry at the powers that be because we're even in the situation that resources are so limited. And I'm so happy that my friend is able to go to another country to get a fair shot, you know, to get a fair shot at a higher quality of life and, you know, to be able to build a life over there. But the sad part is, is that, you know, you miss out on the big events, the important events like weddings, sometimes graduations, funerals, all of those kinds of things. And it just made me so sad, you know, um, and that this is just how it will be. Uh, I'm going through an age and a stage where everyone around me, you know, people are getting married and my friends are like crossing really big milestones and we're not always able to be in the same place to celebrate those things together. And it just makes me so sad, guys. Like, I'm, uh, I'm so affected. But yeah, that was that was the one thing. And then in the world, in current affairs now, there are a lot has been going on. Things are not well in this world. I mean, they haven't been well for a long time, but right now it is not well. There are two things I want to talk about and unpack a little bit that have really just been weighing on me. And the first is the overturning of the Roe versus Wade judgment in the United States of America. Um, I know this topic has been unpacked in, on social media a lot over the last two weeks, and um, my other best friend, Tina, on her podcast, The Feminist Bar Shout Out, has two episodes where she explains what the judgment is and its implications on us in Africa. Um, a lot of people, you get a lot of comments like, oh, why should we care about what's going on in America? How does it affect our country? I will just echo the sentiments that, guys, it's okay to read. Like, it's, it's fine. Just go read. Read about globalization, read about the colonial system, neocolonialism, all of those things. Just read about it to understand how whatever is going on in one country will have a domino ripple effect everywhere in the world. We've seen that right now with the war in Ukraine. The price of everything is going up. Um, fuel, oil, gas, wheat, you name it, whatever they are major exporters of, it's really impacting the global economy. And things are looking pretty unstable for the foreseeable future. I'm hoping it's not as bad as... But it's just not looking good, right? Um, but even things like a judgment in America being overturned in the American Supreme Court of Appeal has a direct impact on us. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about and just, you know, rehash why it's important to understand the impact of such actions in America, specifically pertaining to Roe versus Wade. So for those who don't know, Roe versus Wade is the judgment that essentially legalized abortion, safe abortion in the United States, right? I also just want to say and reiterate the fact that making abortion illegal doesn't stop people from getting abortions. It just limits access to safe abortions for everybody. So in a country like Zimbabwe where abortion is illegal, there are still thousands of abortions that go on every year. They're just not legal and a majority of which are not safe and people are left in dire, dire consequences, right? So in America, um, of course, there's no like every state because it's a federation and the way federations work is, you know, every state is like a mini country. So abortion is like federal law states are allowed to legalize it some in some states it's more restrictive than in others like in texas i think that if I, I stand to be corrected but that's where some of the most restrictive abortion laws are then 
in places like California and New York, to my understanding, it's a little bit easier. It's much easier, actually, to, you know, have access not only just to reproductive health um, benefits, but to access safe abortions, right? So with Roe versus Wade being overturned, how does this impact Zimbabwe? Zimbabwe is a poor country. We're a least developed country that is dependent on aid. And the biggest donor to, to Zimbabwe for food, clothes, health, health supplies, all of that good stuff, basically what keeps our country turning is USAID, the United States, a governmental organization um, from the United States that donates in, I think, every single sector in the country, like anything to do with education, development, whatever it is, USAID has a hand in donating money to ensure this country functions. But the aid that we get does not come with no strings attached. There are terms and conditions, and those terms and conditions are determined by the regime in force in the, in the United States at the time where they are passing whatever legislations and whatever permissions they are to donate money to Zimbabwe. So under a Republican, a majority Republican party um, regime in America, the terms and conditions will have pretty heavy morality clauses because that's the conservative party. That's the one that's more coated in quote unquote Christian values and wanting to conserve, you know, very what liberal people would call backward, you know, ideals and morals. And they impose those on the countries that they are donating to. Then if you have a, what's it called? What's the other party? Democrats. Democrats, which is liberal, um, and they would in turn have more liberal morality clauses in their morality terms and conditions, excuse me, in the money that they donate, right? Um, so in 2020, <laughs> for example, here's an example. Um, towards the end of Trump's tenure as president, uh, there, it was a Republican government, right? Um, and USAID was donating a lot of medical supplies to Zimbabwe at the height of the COVID pandemic. And when they were donating ventilators to the government hospitals, some of the terms and conditions were that these ventilators should not be put in facilities where people have access to abortion. Just to put it quite lightly, of course, it's coated in much cleverer, cleverer languages, but... Obviously, a government hospital is not going to say, no, we don't want the ventilators because of these terms and conditions. They're going to take it. Um, and that will obviously impact whatever lawmaking that goes on in Zimbabwe. It'll impact it because you're like, okay, we need to make sure we can continue to get enough U.S. aid for the people because our government's not doing anything. And yes, our government has its own, you know, very conservative, ultra-conservative convictions, but it's not only that ultra-conservatism that's influencing policy in our country, it's also accessing aid that will influence policy. And if the aid comes on such stringent terms and conditions, that means we're not even making our own decisions as a country. That means even when you're voting, your parliamentarian, your chosen representative, if your votes are counted properly, let's say in a perfect world your votes are counted properly, your chosen representative is going to go to parliament and is going to be very aware of the terms and conditions that apply to aid. And they're going to do whatever is possible to get as much aid as possible because there's no production happening in the company. I mean, in the country, sorry. There's no production. There's barely any production happening in Africa. We didn't produce a single COVID-19 vaccine on this continent. Which, and it's, it's embarrassing. I'm, I'm not laughing because it's funny. It, I personally find it quite embarrassing. 
I really do. <laughs> but, you know, it's those things that will influence policy moving forward. And that's like the antithesis of democracy. Like you can't even make your own policies. Like your policies are going to be based on whatever is going on in another country. And that directly affects you and me. So we should be concerned. We should be concerned because although um, abortion is not legal in Zimbabwe, um, it's still happening. Women are still dying. Um, Children are still dying. People, even in the quote-unquote justifiable circumstances under which you can get an abortion, um, just a trigger warning for some of the terminology I'm going to use in cases of rape, incest, all of those kinds of things, you are technically allowed to get abortion. Anyone can go to, you know, the courts right now and see that even where women are granted by a court permission to terminate a pregnancy, um, you'll get, there's a doctor who says, I'm not going to do it, or there's no access to the procedure to be able to get it done safely, or the judgment is released in such a time that it's actually too late to perform a safe termination. So it's just not accessible. And I... It's it's a cause for concern. It's a cause for concern because it directly affects the way our country functions, simply because we have no production. Um, I don't know if you have hopes of any kind of economic production or manufacturing activity that would like curb the need for aid, but this goes into the second topic of great concern. And this is a Zimbabwean-specific issue. Last weekend, our president made a speech in the middle, at the end of the day on a Saturday, and suspended banks from being able to give credit and give loans, um, suspended uh, third country payments for goods and services. So um, you can't pay for, you can only pay for goods directly where they're coming from. In, in other words, I don't want to go too much into the technicalities. I just want to keep it short and simple. But basically, banks cannot function the way they normally function. And while this is all to curb, you know, all of some of the economic distresses that are going on in Zimbabwe right now, um, I'll also link to an article that just explains play by play what the economic circumstances are and how we've gotten to this point where we're using a US dollar, but we have a local currency and there's an official like exchange rate at the bank, but on the black market, there's a whole other different exchange rate and all of that stuff. I could go on and on and explain that, but it's a real cause for concern because banks aren't able to function the way, bank. one of the integral parts of banking is being able to give out loans, right? People pay back those loans, people, the bank, you know, then has money to give to people who want money from the bank. Like, it's a whole circular, it's a whole ecosystem. And a big part of that ecosystem has been cut off. Long story short, yo, it is giving 2008 financial crisis in Zimbabwe. And that was not a good time for anybody. That was the famous hyperinflation where we had $2 trillion notes and all of that good stuff. Like, that is what is giving. And I don't know what it is. I've lived... In my short 28 years of life, I've seen three major economic crashes in Zimbabwe, all of which have been traumatic in different ways. And that just makes you so tired. You know, you're just like, bro, like, will I ever catch a break? Will I ever get a chance to actually live somewhat of a normal life? You know, 
And yeah, you know, you can hustle. There's the entrepreneurial spirit and all of that good stuff. But they're just policies and things that our own government makes that get in the way of people who are even just trying to get by. You know, they're just trying to make ends meet. People who are not even fighting for regime change. They just want to import some stuff from some country and to sell it so that they can make money to get to to live their life, basically. Because we all know um, having a single income in this country, it's just you're not going to get very far with with life, with whatever you're doing. I've talked about it in so many episodes, but it's just crazy and it's sort of I get so defeated and I can think of all the times where a statement has been made in the middle of a day that's just like so what's the point you know why am I even doing this why am I even here or it triggers feelings of I need to get out of the country I don't care what it's about you know you start panic searching, panic applying for jobs outside, thinking maybe I should go back to school, maybe that's a good way to get into a country, you're going to go consult, a, cons- you're going to go to an immigration consultant and, you know, see how much it's going to cost to get to Canada and all of that kind of stuff, like, it's just, it, it's tiring, I'm tired, but, you know, it is what it is, there's nothing I can do, and, um, not to the crux of this episode, it goes to work-life balance, to talking about like my work-life balance, so all of this is going on in the world, right, everything is feeling hopeless, pointless, and I'm feeling I, I personally am of no influence to what's happening in the world, what I do is inconsequential, but I can't even do the things that I enjoy, because I've been struggling to cope with work, um, I work a regular corporate commercial job, I'm a lawyer, I guess, but I feel like job expectations right now are, the world is going through a shift, right? You're getting four-day working weeks. You're getting, oh, you know, women being allowed to go on leave because they have their period. You're seeing stories on TikTok and Instagram about supportive bosses lightening the workload. And because remote work is becoming more and more of a prominent thing, I know a number of people who are working for European or American companies remotely in Africa. And those companies really make an effort to take care of the people who they've employed remotely and ensure that they have a decent work-life balance. I've seen people sharing it on social media, some of my friends talking about it. And so you see it a lot in the news, expectations, all of that, that you know, we have more language for mental health, we have acknowledged burnout, you know, companies are changing their cultures, trying to ensure that people are happy in the system, right? But in Zimbabwe, that's not the case. Like, there is still very much an old school work ethic. Like, you just work like a horse until, you know, until things get done and it's continual and continual. And you feel guilty for taking leave and you have, you know, really like work environments can be kind of toxic because everyone, there's so few work out there and our economy is shrinking. There's so few actual corporate jobs out there that will give you a salary that the older people are very concerned about keeping their jobs. And so they make the younger people suffer for that because they're threatened or they just need to make sure that they are keeping as much money within their ecosystem as possible or whatever it is. It's just really hard to find a job, get a job, keep a job 
But when on one hand you're on social media and you're watching all of this stuff and seeing all of this information, consuming so much information about the importance of having a good work-life balance, of pouring into yourself, you can't pour it into an empty cup and doing all of that kind of stuff. Like, And then the reality of the situation is this, the environment you're working in just could care less. Like I... I struggle with anxiety. I'm quite open about that um, and talking about it on this platform, yeah. There are days I really struggle to wake up. There are days I struggle to concentrate because I'm so anxious. There are days I feel physical symptoms from anxiety. I feel nauseous. I have headaches. Um, my throat, like I'll be talking and my throat just gets constricted out of nowhere. Like I can't speak, you know. And um, of course, I'm getting all the help I can get. And I'm lucky, fortunate, privileged, blessed enough to be able to uh, go to therapy, have access to medication specifically for anxiety and all of that kind of stuff, because I really do struggle with it. But there are days when I am unable to can and I can't take time off of work because there's just no culture for protecting mental health. You know, Um, there's talk about it, but there's no actual like implementation and I understand there are days where you just need to grow up put you know your big girl socks on and go put on some gangster rap music and go and you know do what needs to be done that I completely understand but I get burnt out so easily and sometimes it's it's really hard to cope and it's really hard to then you know try to seek advice online the advice is just so inapplicable in your situation but there's nothing you can do to even adapt it to your situation because it's just very different in this economy. And the underlying current of all of that is that I'm grateful. You should be grateful you have a job. You should be grateful you have a salary. You should be grateful you should be grateful because the unemployment rate is so high. The alternative is doing something for yourself. And if you quit, there are no guarantees that you will find a new job unless, you know, you're well connected and doing all that stuff. But even then, sometimes that won't guarantee you a new or a better situation. And I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. Um, where they're like, you know, I would prefer to get a job where I'm doing something to something I actually enjoy because that would make a toxic work environment more bearable. And that really just spoke to how we as young Zimbabweans, I don't know if any other Africans or wherever you are, if you can relate to this, but you've just accepted that your chances are your work environment is going to be toxic, right? But at least if I'm doing something that I like, that might balance out the toxicity. Like there's going to be there's going to be creepy, harassy people on one side. There's going to be a boss who thinks they're better than everyone else on the other side. There's going to be bad HR or no HR, a weird manager, someone, some nepotism case, completely incompetent, but they can't do anything. You can't do anything about that because, you know, their parent owns the company, whatever it is. All of that stuff is happening at the same time. So you've just accepted that work toxicity is going to be there regardless. At least if I get a job that I enjoy what I'm doing, maybe that'll cancel it out. I would love to hear if that's your experience and if that's actually true. I also lean into that. I also was talking to another friend of mine who works in you know the development NGO sector, and she has worked both here in Zim, in the NGO sector, and also working remotely for European and American companies. And she's like, I feel like I have to choose between being the token black person with a lot of performative activism, but like 
good consideration for mental health, work-life balance, all of that kind of stuff. Like that's one side. And the other side of it is toxic work environment, even though I'm surrounded by other black people, by other black women, by other black so-called justice war, I mean, social justice, you know, activists, so-called feminists, but the environment is toxic and they have no consideration for work-life balance, have completely crazy expectations for how much work you need to produce and all of that. There's no happy medium. There's no in-between where you can have a good work environment and a good work-life balance and enjoy what you do. Is it possible? I don't know. What I try to do is because, you know, work gets hard and sometimes, a lot of the time, it's not particularly enjoyable and because I just really wanted to have a creative outlet, um, I tried my hand at this podcasting thing um, and it takes so much time, but it's like good time. It's It can be a little stressful, it can be a little hectic, but in like a good and enjoyable way. Um, but I'm struggling to even do that. And I'm just so like burnt out, you know, right now. But also taking leave is difficult because I somewhat feel guilty for not being productive because I've tied, I guess, not self-worth. I've really worked hard to unlearn tying self-worth to productiveness. I don't know that that's something, I don't think it's something I, I can't say I've completely let it go, but it's not something I struggle with as much anymore. But because I feel a lot of pressure to change my life circumstances, right? Like I talked about in the first mini episode this year. um, I feel a lot of pressure to change my life circumstances, to move out, to get, like get, move to a next stage in life, the next stage of adulthood, you know? Um, Like this can't just be it for me. That's how I feel personally. I feel a lot of pressure. So if I take leave, I'm not doing anything to work towards that, you know? And the last time I took a complete week off of work um, to just focus on, you know, resting, um, taking care of my mental health, doing all of that kind of stuff, I still find my I still found myself being trying to be productive in other ways. I was recording every day for the podcast, I was applying for stuff, I was looking into, you know, possibly doing a PhD, I was setting up meetings. And at the end of it, I didn't feel rested at all. I just felt like I was doing more work. So even then there was the balance of doing other stuff, trying to work towards a life that I would actually enjoy. But that was still pretty tiring because of the circumstances around me, you know? Um, so yeah, that's been, it's been crazy. And I've been trying to keep it together. You know, this is something I've spoken to my therapist about. And she's like, you, you know, you can only take things a day at a time. You can only take things literally an hour at a time. Um, and I've always found stuff like that silly when I've seen it on social media. And I will be completely honest, sometimes (laughs) my therapist tells me to do things like affirmations and, you know, taking deep breaths and one thing at a time and trying to perspective shift. Like, even after I recorded the episode about how my circumstances need to, it's it's my circumstances chance to change. It's their turn to change because I'm done changing. Um, when I shared that with her, she was just kind of like, okay, but are your circumstances going to change? No. So what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to moan, whine and complain. And obviously that's not productive. And obviously your therapist is not going to like let you moan, whine and, and complain, you know? Um, but 
it really is about taking it a day at a time, taking it an hour at a time, taking it a task at a time when it comes to work. And I'm still trying to figure it out. I have no answers for any of this. I'm just exhausted, but I'm excited to, you know, be talking and podcasting and recording right now. But I'm really just tired and I'm struggling with this aspect. I have seen one of like my mutuals on social media. She used to post a lot about struggling with work-life balance. Um, And then she just switched jobs and everything changed. And she's just like, oh, so it turns out all those things I was posting, asking people, you know, how they figure out, you know, being in legal practice and balancing their life, like how they balance it. She's like, the solution was leaving legal practice. And I'm just like, drops mic, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it. And I'm working on it. Definitely. This is also a little thing I've been thinking about and will be for the mid-season solo episode, like the actual one, um, the solo mini episode that I put in the middle of the seasons. It talks about like self, I'm going to talk about self-censorship, about the times, the one time I actually put a disclaimer at the beginning of an episode um, and a friend of mine. Um, so it was the episode I did uh, with the head of the Amalgamated Rural Teachers Union of Zimbabwe. And they were, um, my guest was speaking very blatantly, like anti-government rhetoric. And one of my friends who listened was just like, yo, don't you just want to put it like a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode? Like the views shared in this episode do not reflect those of the In This Economy podcast. And I was like, but that would be a bold-faced lie because the views directly speak to my personal convictions, the message of the podcast, like all of that good stuff, right? But it had me thinking about how much self-censorship we actually do and why I actually don't put disclaimers and the circumstances under which I would put a disclaimer, which I have once um, in the last episode. Um, That's the first time I've ever done that because my guest actually said something I didn't quite agree with, but they were speaking from their perspective, but I just wanted to make it clear that I didn't agree with it. And that's the first time because a lot of the time I have no issue with things that my guests have shared, which in a sense can be a little bit problematic when being a content creator because you don't want to make an echo chamber of people who share your views and convictions. But there was just one specific aspect of what they said that I needed to make clear that I don't agree with that message, but we locomote, you know, we move. Um, So that's what that next solar episode is going to be about. But just now when I was thinking about, you know, the solution that one of my, the people I have on social media shared was like getting a new job. Um, I was just like, ooh, I felt it. I felt it. But I also don't really know who listens. Anyway, um, so I guess that, (laughs) yo, this doesn't look like too much of a mini. This looks like a full episode. I've never sat and like spoken this long. But anyway, this was just like, I'm so excited to be producing um and excited to be back had to adjust the production schedule so that it meets the work schedule and so on and so forth because I really love doing this I really love creating content I really love engaging so to end off the episode thank you so much for tuning in we will of course be back on Thursday with this week's episode and we'll be unpacking and discussing accessing reproductive health in this economy so echoing a little bit what we discussed in the beginning we're going to talk with a real public health practitioner and see 
what's good, what's popping on that front. So thank you so much for tuning in. Please do not forget to follow the podcast on social media at In This Economy Podcast on Instagram and follow me, your host, at Kimya Jekyll on Twitter. And yeah, let's keep the conversation going. Of course, I would love to hear your feedback on what you think of these episodes. I've never actually quite sat down and just had a rant before. I've enjoyed recording it. I'm going to listen back to this, edit it and do everything to see if I can like bring it, make it a bit shorter to make some semblance of like more sense because I felt a little bit rambly in the middle there. Otherwise, yeah, please let me know what you think. And if you like more of these, I have so much to <laughs> to share about like life and things I'm thinking about. But when I first started, you know, creating this platform, I didn't think that this would be something I would be comfortable doing, just talking about stuff. But it is actually not that bad. Shout out to everybody, all the listeners coming from all over the world. Um, the podcast is growing and obviously it's by word of mouth on the hosting site we put a map of where people are listening and just seeing a new country a listener coming up from a new country every week is just so uh it's so great and i appreciate any feedback you have let me know what you want to hear wherever you are in the world if there's something you want to talk about that you can resonate with or you think that would be useful to this platform that i don't necessarily cover because of like my own life experience where i'm at please the dms are always open pull through let's chat let's have a talk but huge special shout out to you the listener for your continued support and your patience with me and just coming back and uh yeah it's a process but we're moving so thank you so so much and i will catch you on thursday